Hello, Horror Fanatics! I'm Frank. And I'm Jen. And we welcome you to our weekly podcast, Oh, The Horror. Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. Hey, Frank, so what brought you to uh, horror? You. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can see how that would be true. Actually, um, I'd, I'd have to go with the token token answer movies. Movies did it for me. Like I didn't have the ghost stories growing up. Mm-hmm. I didn't have it. That wasn't my kind of family that mm-hmm. I was in. Um, so I got it all really from movies to start. And then like I realized as a kid that like these were actual like it wasn't just a movie thing. There was this right. whole There was this other whole thing behind it. Out, outside of it. And then the tough part for me was, is I, you know, I am the skeptical one. You know, mm-hmm. I'm the one that needs the, the extra stuff. I don't take it as face value as much. Mm-hmm. I never really had much of an experience, mm-hmm. but I do value other people's experience. Mm-hmm. And, and then it started getting into that path where you hear about ghosts and Right. You hear about these paranormal, supernatural experiences and things, and, and I just got into it from there. How about you? Um, I can honestly say I can't remember. Um, I know I've always had like a morbid curiosity. I remember us um, for Halloween in school doing the song, Have You Seen the Ghost of John? Long mm. White Bones with the Skin All Gone. Mm. And... I clearly remember my cousins bringing up the movie Poltergeist. And that was like my first introduction to the fact that, hey, you know, there's this whole thing called scary movies. But outside of that, and this is going to sound crazy, Unsolved Mysteries. Dude, Robert Stack talking about the scary things like the ghost stories and the stuff at Halloween, it was nine times out of 10, whatever he was bringing up would lead me to the library. And then as I got older and stuff began to happen, um, I am the person that believes I am the person who through the majority of my life, there has been some sort of story or encounter or event associated with a great many years of my life. Mm. So it just, if you say that house is haunted, of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Why wouldn't it be? Yeah. 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 (laughs) It looks like it's haunted. So it must be. (laughs) That person running out of the house, screaming their lungs off. Yeah. Yeah. And then as I've gotten older um, and I've gotten more into the horror genre as far as like films. um, And I'd have to say like the television shows like Supernatural, you know, it charmed, Mm -hmm. which does not hold up, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Like I was all in. Yeah. I was like, all right, let's just, let's go. Yeah. Let's, this is what we do. Yeah. Yeah. That's and cool. here we are. Here we are. Yeah. We're here. Uh, 
attempting a weekly podcast. <laughs> All right. So we're going to limp out of the gates, guys. A little just bit. bear with us. The intention is you will get a weekly podcast. May not happen right out of the gates. No, no. But we're going to do our very best. We still have no a lot one's going to gonna try harder. <laughs> we still have a lot to learn, but we we're going to be big in January. Let's. <laughs> Yeah. January is going to be big and it's going to go. It's going to be Stonehenge. So what, uh, what should everybody look, uh, look forward to with the podcast? We've got an extensive list. Um, if you're familiar with horror movies, you know, there are certain tropes and certain themes that are repeated. Um, if you are familiar with supernatural or charmed, there are, again, our tropes and themes that are associated. So what we're going to do is deep dive. We're going to deep dive into these weird stories, these weird places, uh, horrible people, horrible places. And we've got an extensive list of horror waiting for you all <laughs> yeah yeah the who the where the whens yeah, yeah yeah and just to give you an idea like we've got um demons witches vampires werewolves wendigo yeah got it and what we're also Tarot finding cards? out is that Check. <laughs> those are very general topics that we have every intention of getting in deeper and, yeah. And surfacing some of these up. So we can definitely state right away that this is not a movie review no, podcast. No. And there's nothing against that. Um, there's some some great movie review podcasts out there and we recommend you listen to them. Right. However, if you're if you're diving in with us, uh, we're we're going more into the historical, the 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 right. stories and the and, history of what brought us here and how these uh, how these actually became topics in movies. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So where does that start us today? Haunted houses. Haunted houses. Doesn't everything start there? I believe so. So what we did was we broke this up into two little segments. I took haunted houses from the approach of that house is haunted. Sure course it is and then frank you approached haunted houses as the amusement the amusement and uh more of the i i dare say the business of haunted houses you know that's, it is a hundred percent a yeah, business it's yes. a multi it's a multi-billion dollar business well i will say this as someone who has been through haunted houses you know the good ones and with a good one, not only are you going to go back, but you're going to share it with your friends, yeah. especially if you have that mm -hmm. scared person. And if you can scare them, oh, yeah, it's, a good it's time. the best. It's a great time. It's you the know. best. Yeah. And it's uh, it's definitely, you know, my end, you know, your end's going to be more of the traditional haunted houses from a, a down the road sense there's weird stuff going on in that house or I'm branching off into the second part of this where basically it ultimately became a business, but people just did it for amusement and how that all started. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 
to get us started, you're going to hear references because I did a timeline. I kind of approached haunted houses from the very first mention of them in quote unquote history. But many of the um, topics that I bring up in the quote unquote haunt legit haunted houses, we will do independent episodes on. Yeah. So this is just going to be a a teaser, if you will. I'm going to need both of those. Oh, okay. Well, actually more just this one. So haunted houses are usually associated with a place that is creepy or has a history of an occurrence or an, um, an emotion associated with a former occupant. Hauntings occur as a feeling, extreme cold, otherwise known as a cold spot, strange noises, lights on and off, uh, strong or strange odors, um, moved or missing items, and items playing on their own, or sometimes even an apparition. Usually, someone has died, and it's supposed to be a residual of that person Mm. causing said haunting. Not always the case. Shocker. Um, So the first mention of a haunted house was in the first century AD, which shocked me. It absolutely shocked me. I was thinking, you know, like I wasn't going to find anything until like the 1800s. Is that the uh, creative director getting a drink? It is. (laughs) The uh, creative director of the show is Dean Winchester, (laughs) our three-year-old Bernese Mountain Dog, who you'll hear from time to time because... Well, he's a family member. If you hear from us. And he directs creatively. And he directs creatively. You can learn more about him at (laughs) OhTheHorrorThePodcast.com. As you were, Jennifer. So a Roman statesman, Pliny the Younger, um, wrote a letter. And he had several letters that have remained to this day. And in one of those letters, he mentions not only haunted houses, but specters. And he references two different stories. One is a uh, a ghost story in Africa. And he believes it to be very true. And he's pleading with the person he's writing to, to be like, hey, do you agree? And one of the mm, well-known stories associated with Pliny in his letter is with regard to a thunderous and a thunderous lived in a house in Greece and he was visited by a specter that was wrapped in chains and upon waking in the morning after a thunderous had followed the specter to a specific spot in the garden they the occupant of the home, Thunderous, went to the police and they dug there and they found the re- the skeletal remains wrapped in chains. And once those remains were found and given a proper Greek burial, the specter no longer appeared wow. in the home. So centuries later in Germany, a family was haunted by loud knocking, rapping noises and... Items being thrown, stones or 
fires starting, which is always great. That's always what you want is a ghost to set random fires in your house. Yeah. Yeah, because that's like a cool thing to do. And in um, 1536, saw Anne Boleyn executed in the Tower of London and claims are she still haunts the tower and her childhood home in Hever Castle, Kent, to this day. To this day, really? Yeah. In the late 19th century, Ben Franklin's ghost was reported near the library of the American Philosophical Society in Philadelphia, which brings us to probably the most haunted. And I specifically remember hearing these stories as a child. The White House is reported to be haunted by Abe Lincoln, David Burns, who actually sold the land the White House sits on. Abe Lincoln's son, Willie, who died of typhoid. And I believe he was 11 and he died in the White House in 1862. Another ghost, Anne Surratt, knocks on the front door pleading for the release of her mother, Mary Surratt. And Abigail Adams' ghost appears in the East Room where she used to hang sheets to dry. And Dolly Madison has chosen to tend the White House Garden. She also haunts the Octagon House, where she and James Madison lived as their temporary residence during the War of 1812, on account of the White House was burned. And Andrew Jackson and Grover Cleveland are also rumored to still be taking up residence at 1600 Pennsylvania Ave. That's crazy. Right? I just look at that from, like, say, a foreign relations perspective. Yeah. Say you got, you know, Joe Blow, yeah, country leader, yeah, dictator, staying in the Lincoln bedroom. The Lincoln you're bedroom. going to have some sort of occurrence. So you know, yeah, is that is that part of the uh, <laughs> like when they bring him in? <laughs> yeah. Like, look, just so you know, just so you know, Abe might say some stuff. If you see a guy <laughs> in a in a robe with a huge beard, yeah, just rambling, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Nothing to see here. It's okay. We're good. You know. We're good. Yeah, that's weird. And you know, it's something you don't hear about. I clearly remember hearing. I have heard, and I I don't remember whether it was from classmates, you know, when you do the, what did you do over summer vacation? Yeah. I went toward the White House. I clearly remember hearing stories specifically about Abe Lincoln haunting the White House in the Lincoln bedroom. Like if you stayed in the Lincoln bedroom, like it was guaranteed you were going to have an experience, an experience, wow. be it with Abe or his son or apparently the whole family. Uh, but- apparently <laughs> Mary Todd was like, peace out, yeah. um, which is funny because she is rumored to have been contacting psychics and clairvoyance and mediums to see if she could make contact with her deceased family members. Mm. Mm. But hey, so the most commonly known haunted houses are the Amityville Horror, otherwise known as the DeFeo Home, the Winchester Mystery House, and the Enfield Poltergeist, all of which have been the subject of not only a book, but also a major motion picture. And if you're lucky enough to be the Amityville Horror, you got two motion pictures. Because, mm, you true. know, yeah. 
they had to do a remake. Now, out of those that you're listing there, because, you know, obviously the Amityville's got a bad stigma to it because correct of all of the correct you know hoax, hoax yes reveal and we'll and get into like that, that in its own um yeah deep dive but all i've chosen to do for these three yeah is to just give the bare bones basics yeah no they are the kind of and then we can do the deep dive into it but you'll get the idea as to why they're worthy enough of having their own mm-hmm. episodes because I think there's enough questions, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to start with the Winchester mystery house, because if we're talking, if we're going chronologically, this one is the oldest. So the Winchester mystery house is located in San Jose, California, and it was the personal residence of Sarah Winchester. And she was the widow of William Wirt Winchester. It was suspected that the home was and is haunted by the spirits of those killed by the Winchester rifles. Sarah was told by a um, Boston medium at a seance that she was to sell the home in New Haven, go west and continuously build a home to keep the spirits at bay. The message supposedly was from her deceased husband, um, and then construction started in 1886 on this house and continued until Sarah's death on September 5th, 1922. Workers were randomly dismissed, replaced by new workers. Plans constantly changed. There were doors and stairs to nowhere, stairs with odd size risers. And before the earthquake of 1906, the house had seven stories. Today, it is four stories with roughly 161 rooms, 40 bedrooms, two ballrooms, one complete, one unfinished, 47 fireplaces, over 10,000 panes of glass, 17 chimneys, two basement levels, and three elevators. Today, the home is privately owned. That's a lot of house. It's really just a tiny little summer cottage. I was going to say, they just summer there? (laughs) Or did they just build that for the spirits? Well, it's funny. Um, I did watch the Winchester movie, um, which I don't know how much truth there is to it, but that movie reiterates a lot of the things that they say where Sarah continuously went and she had what was called the seance room where the the ghosts would commune with her or speak with her. And that's when she would make changes to the plans mm. or draw up the plans. But the whole point was she was never to stay in one particular room. And by having the construction continuously change, she was to keep moving throughout the house so that the ghosts couldn't locate her. Oh. Yeah, because, you know, that's what they do. Yeah, they check the plan. Yeah, they do. Well, no, they're like, we buy our time. This is Sarah's room. Yeah. Sarah should be in her room. Yeah. Sarah's room changed daily. Mm. Apparently, the only room she was consistently in was the seance room. Which, oddly enough, is where they always seem to find her so that they could say, hey, you know what? I think you should put 
a staircase that leads to a floor right above you. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to get a little bit more into the story, um, I clearly recall this being in an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Getting back to the beginning. It all goes back to Robert Stack. It really does. Oh, my goodness. He nothing gave me nightmares more than him telling those creepy stories. He just had that voice, though. He too. did. And he was, oh, it was you so know, good. He could tell you the ingredients to butter. And yeah. Just be like You're like, UFOs? You He's, he talked about it yesterday. Of course it's yeah. true. Yeah. So that will bring us, timeline-wise, to the Amityville Horror. And this home is located in Long Island, New York. Ronald Joseph Butch DeFeo Jr., was tried and convicted of killing his mother, father, two brothers, and two sisters. Murdered in the home were Ronald DeFeo Sr., 44, Louise DeFeo, 42, Dawn, 18, Allison, 13, Mark, 12, and John Matthew, 9, all of whom were shot with a 35 caliber lever action or lever action, mm. Marlin, 336, C rifle around 3 a.m. November 13th, 1974. The parents had both been shot twice. His siblings had been killed with single shots, which begs the question, how did none of them awaken, flee, or at the very least fight back? Yeah. Several of them were found face down, which means, I mean, the parents, there were four shots that went off just with the parents. Yeah, you gun, mean to tell me a gun like that? There, it's unmistakable. I, I, like you're in that, the house. Yeah, yeah. But even like like that type of gun. That's mm-hmm. not like a little twenty-two crack. That sounds like something's hitting against the wall or something yeah. like that. That's a that's an unmistakable sound. Yeah, when you hear it. So, speculation is that there had to have been something "quote unquote" supernatural involved. Because there were there was no evidence of any sort of drug in the toxicology report that was completed on all of them. Enter the Lutzes. They purchased the home 13 months after the murder in December 1975. George and Kathleen Lutz purchased the home a, at a reduced rate and moved in with Kathleen's three children from a previous marriage, Daniel nine, Christopher seven and Melissa, AKA Missy five and their dog, which was a Malamute Labrador mix named Harry. Harry. Their issues included a sewing room on the second floor that was infested with flies. A priest attempting to bless the house was told to get out. And when the father tried to call them later, there was only static on the line. They consequently wrote a book, a bestseller, about their experiences in the home, and they later admitted they had made it all up and no future homeowners experienced any issues. We'll be doing, again, that yeah, episode yeah. dedicated whole, to this. Because I could... Uh... I, I can I myself can have fun with that type of stuff because we always talk about it when yeah. we're watching like movies and stuff like that. There's always the there's those little signs like yeah. the house is at a reduced rate. That's always the first one. Guys, you know. 
if you find your quote unquote dream house and it's like a mansion and it's in your budget, quote unquote, and it's a mansion and it's not millions of dollars, you know, at least go to a, a library, maybe Google the address, see if something's happened Talk there. Talk to the former occupant if they're still alive. <laughs> Talk to that former occupant if they're, if still, they're alive. still alive. You know, yeah. you know, get try and get a history of your home. They're, and I'm just going to tell you, if you buy a house that's hundreds of years old, that was a hotel at its inception, maybe, just maybe, you're living in a haunted house. So an old morgue <laughs> is like totally out of the Oh, place. there's yeah. some really good stories about that, though. <laughs> there really is. I just, I definitely, there's there's the reduced rate. Yes. There's the, um, there's always that, that thing, too, in the movies, you know, where you move in and all the neighbors are staring at you. Yeah. You know, that stare. Yeah. And they're know. like... Yeah. What, what? Yeah. And, and hey. I always, I always say, even when we watch those, like, yeah, I will never be that guy that says we got to stick it out here. <laughs> I'm not that guy. You're not. And I'm the skeptical. <laughs> you came to me right. and you're like, I'm hearing some funky shit in this place. Yeah. All right. Peace. We're out of here. Yeah. You know, uh, we'll yeah. take the loss. You burn it down. You it's, know. it's funny because- there are hundreds of stories like there's the story of the family where the wife and the kids move into this house to be close to where the son is getting his cancer treatments. Mm. And it's a huge house. And the husband is living back at their old home, you know, keeping things going and going to work. And the only reason they moved into this house was to be closer to the treatments for the older son. So the older son goes and starts um, sleeping in the basement. And there's like a um, a glass door. On a separate room in said basement, and he just talks about how weird it was like the feelings he would get and there was a dark figure and this darkness that just seemed to follow him and he went from being like a relatively hey type of person to withdrawn argumentative combative and every time something would happen and he would go into the hospital, he would get better. And then every time he would come home, yeah, he would just downward spiral, negative, negative, negative. And turns out that the basement in the house, I don't remember whether it was a, like a legit morgue, mm. you know, like where they have the homes that were um, yeah. funeral homes. Yeah. Or if it was just like the home of a really bad man. At any rate, they were like based on the history and what was associated with this home, that this negativity had just grabbed a hold of him and latched onto him. And then occupied the space and everything around it. Pretty much. Yeah. So this leads us to the Enfield poltergeist. 
The claims of the council house in Brimstone, Enfield, London, England, between 1977 and 1979 involved two sisters aged 11 and 13. Some paranormal investigators believe the hauntings to be genuine. Others are inconvinced and find evidence that the girls had faked incidents to sway journalists for attention. Magicians also identified features of the case as a hoax. Because I know when I'm trying to prove the legitimacy of something, the very first person I'm talking to is a magician. Well, it's funny you bring that up. (laughs) Because on the second half of this tour... Do magicians feature prominently? They come up. Let's just put it that way. And, (laughs) And we'll just leave it at that for now. (laughs) So I have my next thought here. So if magicians say it's fake, it's totes fake. (laughs) 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 The claims are furniture moved and the sisters say they heard knocking on the walls. The girls were um, Margaret 13 and Janet 11. A police constable said he saw a chair wobble and slide, but couldn't determine a cause of the movement. Later, there were claims of disembodied voices, loud noises, thrown toys, overturned chairs, and children levitating. Over a period of 18 months, more than 30 people, including neighbors, psychics, psychic researchers, and journalists, said they saw heavy furniture moving of its own accord, objects thrown across a room, and the daughters seeming to levitate several feet off the ground. Many heard and recorded knocking noises, a gruff voice. The story made its way to the Warrens, Ed and Lorraine. Ed was a demonologist, and Lorraine was a medium slash clairvoyant. They will be the subject of their own um, podcast as well. Certainly, The Warrens investigated the Amityville horror and the Enfield poltergeist. They believed both to be genuine. Lorraine went so far as to claim the Amityville horror was the worst case of haunting she had ever experienced. So given the Lutz's admission that they faked the whole thing, this puts their expertise into question. Was she unavailable for comment? After that, uh, well, she is now because she passed away. Well, no, I do, I do know that, but at the time, um, I know if I were to contact Lorraine now, I will say she comment, consistently, she never did swayed. she double down. She, she went all in. She, yeah. she even did after the admission. And even after the admission, she's like, they she just admitted. don't know, man. Yeah. They don't know. Yeah, huh. and this Enfield poltergeist was also a subject of. A movie. Um, I believe it was one of the Conjuring. Mm-hmm. Is Conjuring the ones they had Ed and Lorraine? Yeah. At any rate, they had um yeah. one of theirs. So gotcha. You have stated that you're the skeptic. Yeah. So like the last one you just brought up, see, those are interesting to me. Yeah. Because you have a lot of people, you know this of me, you know, where yeah. if I see a lot of like the the neighbors and more than 30 people, you know, yeah, including like neighbors, neighbors, psychics and, and people, journalists, they all can kind of not attest. to mention the constable. Yeah, yeah. And they can attest to the witnesses, you know, witness of these accounts. Right. You know, and that 
that stuff grabs me the most. I have a hard time with the very localized stories, you know, where right. it's the one person yeah. or the family, mm-hmm. you know, that um, one family, one house, one story. <laughs> yes. you know, yeah. It's just a little too neat and buttoned up for me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I yeah. need that guy on the side of the street that the news always seems to grab and they're like, yeah, I saw that shit, you know, it's <laughs> yeah, just, right? you know yeah. and you know, that's, it was over uh, there. Yeah. <laughs> And and those are the stories that grab me. Definitely. Those are the ones that pull me in. And I really have to say, you know, yeah, you can talk your way out of a lot of things, but to get like a whole community in. Yeah. But I also know, too, that people just kind of absorb a story that's a story. Well, you that know, also like brings it up. It could be our, our house here and we could have a neighborhood, you know, our neighborhood around us. And if we just started talking about stuff and that's all we got was a couple people in on the deal. Right. Then there are people across the street that have never set foot in their house. And they're like, yeah, no, it's haunted. I, but uh, you know, that kind I'll take of the brings time. up the subject of um, a topic that will be, again, its mm-hmm. own podcast, The Gollum, where yeah. enough when enough people believe you can actually manufacture and mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. create whatever this thing yeah. is. A golem's a fascinating story for me. It is. So. It is. So like I said, I wasn't always a believer, but I have had experiences. And the ones that the ones that struck me the most was when I was with my ex. Mm-hmm. His home was the oldest surviving structure on that particular road. And it was over 200 years old and it had been a hotel when it started. And that was when I had like my first, I'm not even going to say just like ghostly experience. There was a legit poltergeist. Like, um, there was this large, um, clock and it had a stained glass face for the clock face and it was it was very substantial and it was on a support and whenever we fought or somewhere around the time when we fought that clock would spontaneously I can't even say it falls off the wall because you would have to pull it up and forward in mm. order to get it off the support and off the wall. Um, the I never paid much attention to the doors, the kitchen cabinet doors never being closed. Like even if you close them minutes later, they would all be open because mm-hmm. it was old and there weren't any of those catches yeah, yeah. on them, if you will. And the chairs were never pulled in around the table. Even if you push them in, if you went to bed and came downstairs in the morning, they would all be out. Now, I'm not saying that was a ghost because... A drunk could just as easily have knocked them over yeah. and away from the table. Yeah. But while in that house, um, I was I had this very vivid dream that I was being chased by a wolf. And in this dream, the wolf caught me and bit me and bit my leg, mm-hmm. woke me up out of a sound sleep. And on my thigh where this 
wolf had caught me in my dream, I had the teeth marks. So I was like, okay, you know, maybe one of the dogs bit me. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, well, you know, that's kind of like the dream I had the other, uh, the other night where yeah. I'm playing craps on my <laughs> tablet and then I go to bed and I'm playing craps. Yeah. And I wake up and my back's sore from leaning over. Playing craps. Playing craps. Yeah. And then it's gone 10, like 10 minutes late. Yeah. Like I never had anything. Um, that's things weird. constantly went missing. Um, I had a Christmas stocking that when I was packing up the Christmas stuff, it was gone. Like it wasn't with the rest of the Christmas stuff. So I was like, all right, well, I guess we've misplaced it or it's gone. Fast forward months later, it was underneath the dresser in the bedroom upstairs. Mm. So I didn't put it there. Doesn't mean someone else it was just weird. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a name etched in the doorway, Lila. So whenever stuff would go missing or stuff would um, fly off the walls. Oh, that Lila's back at I it would again. say, knock it off, Lila. Yeah. And, you know, it would it would calm down for a bit. Um, I that was that home was the first time I experienced sleepwalking. Mm-hmm. And when I woke up in the bathroom there was a little boy standing in the bathroom and he watched me walk out of the bathroom and when I looked back he was gone when I was washing the dishes I looked out the window and there was a man and a boy walking down the lower end of the yard they walked from tree line out into the grass of the yard into the other tree line in like I can't remember whether it it was a plaid shirt the guy was wearing and it was very the the little boy was wearing the same thing he had been wearing when I woke up in the bathroom to and, him and staring him at in me the house. I now, saw him in the house and I saw him outside the house. Here's a question I have. Mm-hmm. When you originally, when you first saw that, if you can remember, mm-hmm. were you scared, calm, like was like a fight or flight engaged where you were? Both times I was just surprised because I was like, I know no one else is here. Yeah. Let alone a child. But what I'm getting at is, is, so would you have that same reaction to a physical stranger that's just in the house? No, no. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's a difference there. Yeah. The The difference with the the apparitions that I saw is they weren't, they were full body in that there was head, shoulders, legs, feet, arms. But not real, real. But- Like you, there was something there off was about it. There was a transparency. It. Yeah, there was something off about it. So you knew- like looking at you, you're solid. Mm-hmm. I am. You are. <laughs> I can't see through you. Yeah. They were vivid enough to be viewed, but you like, I could still see the trees mm-hmm. through them. Yeah. So even as they were walking through, 
And I just went, okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So then I moved and I was staying with a friend of the family. And at this time I had gotten into, um, I was just curious about the occult, if you will, you know, like tarot cards, um, witches, Mm -hmm. Wicca, and just kind of like researching into things because I never, I, I never really bought into the whole thing of, um, you know, witches worship the devil equals bad. And it wasn't until I actually started reading into the religion of Wicca that I realized there isn't even a devil in Wicca. And that's when you, that's when you see, okay, well, that's the church making the quote unquote, um, pagan rituals to get the peasants away from the paganism they vilified it yeah essentially yeah to to be like hey you gotta have a good hook to bring people yeah over your side, yeah you know? so they did good i had purchased my <laughs> first not agree with it but they did yeah good, exactly you know? they did what they had to do <laughs> i purchased my first deck of tarot cards and the woman I was staying with had a dog that she had rescued, and this dog had gotten a hold of my tarot cards, and like they were in pieces on the floor. And I immediately was like, that's not a good thing. Yeah. Because that's just, you know, that's a way of angering the gods if you will Mm -hmm. and shortly after that stuff started happening in that house like it didn't matter where you were like random stuff again falling off the i can't even say falling off the walls like there was no reason why these things should be moving of their own and they did um and again i i was um sleepwalking getting into sleepwalking again. And um, anytime I stayed anywhere, the sleepwalking increased. Um, And I I will also say at this time, I had separated from my ex and we did not part on good terms. Yeah. So I was, I'm I'm not going to say I I was stressed, but I was stressed. Like I was constantly living in a state of, Fear, fear that, you know, he was going to come and find me. Yeah. Yeah. Or something was going to happen. And turns out that. Especially a poltergeist feeds off of that negative energy and they they feed off of that. And that's what gives them their strength. So. That's when I started to realize that maybe these places weren't haunted. Maybe it was me. It was my energy Mm -hmm. that was feeding and fueling these things. So I moved back home with my parents. And when they bought their current home, um, it it had its own in-law apartment. So I moved in 
to that house. If I was the first person to officially move in and I was staying in the apartment and I was all by myself in that house. And I will tell you that house was quiet. It was peaceful. Like I stopped um, sleepwalking and I started to feel normal yeah. again. Yeah. Have a sense of normal. Yeah. And then the rest of the family moved in and little things started to happen, you know, like, um, there would be a cold spot or you would hear a door open or a door close, but there would be no person associated with it. Like usually, you know how it is. You walk into my parents' house, you open the door and you get a, Hey, but, you know, you would say, hi, who are you? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, who it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you yeah. wouldn't get a response. And slowly things started to happen there. And I started to get questions from other members of the family. Um, my sister was taking a shower one day. And when she tried to get back into her bedroom, she couldn't because there was a chair up against the back of the door Mm -hmm. on the inside of her bedroom door was a chair leaning up against the door so that you couldn't open the door. Um, I remember being in the bathroom upstairs. I heard the door open and I could hear conversations downstairs. And then I clearly saw like the shadow coming up the stairs, like when someone's walking Mm -hmm, up the stairs, mm -hmm. except this shadow had a hat on. So I just assumed it was my brother. Yeah. And I just started talking to him. Hey, Trev, what's going on? And when I went out into the hallway in the bathroom, there was no one there. So I I had watched a person walk up the stairs that wasn't there. Mm -hmm. My parents were home. And my mother was sitting in the rocking chair in the corner and my father was sitting on the couch. Now, I will tell you, my father never bought into the even the thought that the house he was living in could be haunted. So he's sitting on the couch and the uh, the door opened. They both heard it. And. My father goes, oh, Trevor's home. And my mother picked her head up from the book she was reading and she turned back down and she goes, that's not Trevor. And when my father turned, well, he started to turn and then it was like he said to himself, if I don't look at it, it's not there. And you should hear my mother tell that story. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because that's very much how they were. My Mm. mother, again, the believer. Yeah. And my father, nope. But yeah, that several times. And you see, like for me, all the times I've (laughs) been in that house, I have not had a single incident of it. And even more, what gets me is like we would spend the night there visiting Back when we were at our old mm-hmm. house, we'd visit and, you know, we'd all get drinking and, you know, have a great night and go to sleep. And 
and I, you know, at that time mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. don't sleep well at all because mm-hmm. my brain never shuts off. And I would go downstairs and get a drink of water and maybe even think of going to the casino or something like yeah. that in the middle of the night. And um, I'd come back the next day and they'd be, oh, oh, Mr. Wickman was up and down the stairs. And I was just like, no, that was me. And it was funny because I would say, no, yeah. it was me. Yeah. And that's what amazed me the most of what has taken hold of you guys in that house. Cause you're like, no, it wasn't. And I was just like, yeah, it was, I was awake. I remember. Yeah. (laughs) I remember being up, you know, and, uh, and that's when I realized that like there, there has to be enough, um, physically to see or experience or have things go through to have that, concrete a belief in something to where now yeah. you're even questioning something that isn't isn't happening. Yeah. You know, so I respect it. I really do. I respect it. I I will giggle to myself right. and, and, yeah. and whatnot. And that's my twisted world I live in. But but I but I get it. But yeah. it's also it's weird because it creates this condition of just believing everything first goes right to that before it goes to well yeah else. it's like the and, meme in the lights flicker, you know. Mm-hmm. It's 1% electrical and 99% demons and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and I, I will say that house was the very first time an entity said my name. Yeah. And woke me up out of a sound sleep by saying my name. Yeah. And it wasn't a family member. And, you know, everybody calls me Jen. Yeah, yeah. This This voice was Jennifer very formal. Yeah. And I replied, yes, because it's me. And apparently they just needed to know that I heard my name because I didn't get anything else. But I had some uh, that house was the first time I had my first experience with um not full bones, full blown sleep paralysis, but pretty freaking close. And yeah. that was also the first time where I had a nightmare that I physically woke myself out of, calmed myself, went back to sleep, and I was immediately back in my nightmare where I left off. Yeah. That I've, never happens. I've had those experiences. Yeah. So again, pulled myself out of it. And I did that three or four times yeah. before I was ever, before I was actually out of it and then i was like you know what okay i i i I guess we're done here (laughs) so yeah um there have been enough instances where i don't believe everything but i'm more inclined to lean toward believing, but it's because I've had the experiences I've had. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. I respect that. You know, I haven't had any of those experiences. Mm -hmm. I just haven't. But I also look at it from two ways of like, even, even if I were to discredit it all and say it was in someone's head, that's real to them. Right. You know, like I, I look at, uh, like say a schizophrenic. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who's clearly talking to six other people in the room. Right. 
that we don't see. Yeah. But I think what people commonly kind of leap over quick that I don't think they should leap over quick is the fact that it is real to that person. Right. So now yes. you get into the question of how real is it and define what real is, right. you know, because all right, if it looks exactly like a real person and there's six extra people in the room, mm -hmm. it's pretty real to them because mm -hmm. it's be real to you if six people just popped out of nowhere. Right. Now, if they're of this translucent bit, mm -hmm. well then, yeah, you can sell the bit more that it's on the mind, but it's still kind of real. Yeah. So that's where I, I really never try to discredit someone's experience because mm -hmm. it is an experience. It is an event. It's of right. some kind. And it, I am of the belief that I think you can manufacture anything out of your mind. I think you can think, manifest things. I think you can. You know, I think that's a reality. And mm -hmm. that's as simple as like you go to work and you're like, you know, you got 20 people in the office Well, if and we're you walk in the office and, and you say, boy, you know, I had the sniffles over the weekend. And then all of a sudden, everybody yeah, that everybody was in the feeling office. great, all of yep. a sudden by, you know, Monday into Tuesday, everybody's got the cold. Everybody's got the flu. That you had over the weekend that, that you, you had didn't over the have. Weekend that yeah. you didn't have, you know, mm -hmm. and I've done that on purpose. Yeah. This is the twist demented yeah, fuck that like I am. The mass hysteria. You know, it happens. I, I worked at a medical billing place yeah. and I literally walked into that room and it was just like, you know what? I'm going to pretend I had a cold mm -hmm. and see if let's, people. Let's see how this plays let's out. Let's see how yeah. this plays out. I mean, that's that's how fucking twisted I am. I openly admit it. And I'm openly admitting it now, you know, and, yeah. and the fact is, is it was crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. There yeah. were 20 people yep. in that room. And five to, I'd say this was the scary part of it. Five to half of the people in that room, five to 10, mm -hmm. were deeply committed to the fact that they got it from me. Yes. You know, and I was just like, well, you probably didn't give it. No, you were sick. You gave it to me, blah, blah, blah. And I asked in the beginning, I mean, this is by no means scientific or anything. Right. You know, yeah. but I asked, you know, how was your weekend? How you feeling? How's everything going? I prefaced all that stuff first. Right. And everybody's like, I had a great weekend mm -hmm. and an awesome time. Yeah. I feel great, you yeah. know, or, you know, Hey, it's just bullshit. Fucking shitty Monday, all day. you know, yeah. you know, and, and then I introduced the Whopper and it's literally like, like that's where I look at something like inception where it's just like, yeah, I think you really can place an idea mm -hmm. into someone's head and it just manufactures it. You know, now yeah. Inception's kind of crazy because you're making them believe that it, that they created it. Right. This is a little different. It's yeah. not really true inception in that way. You know, yeah. you're, 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 they're believing that you did it to them, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I think a lot of that goes the distance with this type of stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's all of it, Yeah. but you know, I tell you all the time, I'm waiting for that moment where I just can't explain my way out of it. You know, yeah. especially in my point in my life now where I'm very happy with my life. Mm -hmm. I'm very satisfied. Mm -hmm. I have great friends. I have great family. I have a wonderful spouse. <laughs> I have, <Thank> uh, <laughs> I have, no, but I just, yeah. you know, I've got the great dog. I've yeah. got the great cat. I've got the great We've house. got the life. Yeah, yeah, I got I got a great life. And for something to happen to me now, especially mm -hmm. if that were to happen now, I have no way to kind of scoop my way around it. Right. You know, where like if something happened in my 20s, I'd be like, dude, you know, the shit I was on back then, you know, <laughs> that was just, my 20s. Yeah. Booze you can't or, you can't hold me accountable for anything that happened in my 20s. Yeah. Booze or, yeah. or drinking or anything like that. I can't I can't really. You know, I could explain away a ton of that stuff. Yeah. Depression, um, just 
negative thoughts and being in negative thoughts the whole time. And then couple that with booze that, you know, skews your thinking or drugs that actually does skew achieves the manifestation of your dreams and beyond. You know, I mean, that's, uh, I I really would have to write off everything in my late teens and twenties. Yeah. I'd have to write it all off no matter how real I thought it was. Mm -hmm. And I saw some weird stuff, you know, but I'm sure, but I know a lot of it was backed by (laughs) synthetic and natural means, you know, and, and I, but like, that's where I look now in this point in my life, I would, and and that's the thing is that stuff didn't happen. And if things did happen, I was just like, oh, I'm on, yeah, I'm on acid or I'm on yeah. mushrooms, you know. And I'm, we're supposed to see that stuff, you know. Right. It's yeah. just, uh, but at the same time, even then, you could sit there and say, oh man, you know, do you see that, you know, dog right. on a surfboard, you know, going through the mountains, you know, and the person next to you that's not anything. No, I don't see that, you know. And you can rationalize that yeah. stuff, but but at that time for me. It was real. Yeah. And that's what those experiences taught me was that, you know, it was real to me. Even to this day, like yeah. I remember being on mushrooms uh, on this mountain that we camped at and the sky was literally the clouds looked like waves into an ocean and it moved just like an ocean. Mm-hmm. And it just looked like an ocean to me. It was the most magnificent thing I ever saw. And then the sunset hit, the light hit. Right. And it just like I created this whole like beach resort like thing in my head and stuff like that. <laughs> to this day, it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Right. And if I wasn't on mushrooms that night, I wouldn't have seen it to that. It would have just been a good sunset. Right. That's all it would have been. Ain't she pretty? Yeah. It would have been just another yeah. cool sunset. I saw off that mountain a million times when I was camping. Right. Yeah. And, but that one was extra special because I had some assistance, you yeah. know, and, yeah. and I, I get that manufacturing part of it. Um, I was not on any mind altering drugs when my, um, instances or experiences occurred just as a, just as a disclaimer. Yes. As a disclaimer. So, so where does that put you with haunted houses? Uh, like with what you were looking into, where do you, where do Um, you close on that? What do you, my takeaway is, um, Of the ones that I mentioned, um, I don't believe Amityville horror happened the way they said it happened. Mm -hmm. Or I could take it in a different direction. Their son, I can't remember whether it's the oldest one or the youngest one remember we watched the documentary with Mm -hmm. him Mm -hmm. he insists it was all real but he was also like a teenager yeah he was young but like prime poltergeist age yeah so could he legitimately have experienced some things? Possibly. Well, that's, that's something you got to wonder too. Right. You know? So, and like the whole thing with me, with the Amityville horror house is the shit that happened before. It's not yeah. as much what happened to the Lutzes. Cause I mean like the Lutzes, uh, yeah, they, I, they have what happened to them, but then there's also, I mean like everybody started coming out. It was like, look, I'm in on it, you know, and that. Uh, yeah, exactly. But, but the whole story before, like you brought up, with the DeFeos, yeah, where the he DeFeos systematically where, like, went through and, and shot everybody. And shot everyone. You know, it's like, yeah. 
it's a little, little weird, you know? Exactly. Now the thing is too, is like, he could have just gave him some sleeping medication or something like that. And, you know, yeah. he could have been just a sick fuck that just had a small bit of conscience. Like I want him sleeping when I do him yeah. you know, versus just going through I, and I don't know, but the, there, the house red, you know, there was, um, when I was doing the, the research and we'll get into it more when we do that episode where, um, Butch actually changed leading up to the the murders Mm -hmm. so if if we're following that same line of thought that's exactly what happened with mr lutz and apparently he resembled butch Um, it like they, they were similar in appearance and the more he quote unquote started to get affected by the quote unquote house, the more his actions started to mirror Butch's actions. So I, I, I don't rule out that, you know, maybe they both just had this, this, Thing or it was just this was the time in their life yeah, where they just snapped. Variables. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I and I don't believe, even though some people do claim that the um, Winchester house is indeed haunted. Um, maybe I don't know. I mean, there were enough workmen there where you know tragedy could occur. Somebody fall off a scaffold and die. Um, so. Yeah. yeah. Could their residual energy, mm-hmm. you know, still be there? Sure. The Enfield poltergeist, I have a harder time saying that, yeah, I'm sorry, magicians, just because you say they faked it, <laughs> you know? And so those 30 people, the neighbors, yeah, yeah, the psychic researchers, I don't count them as credible, but the neighbors, the, the constables, mm-hmm. They all, they all made it up. Yeah. Um. I I have a harder time. Um. And it seems like the, writing that one off. It seems like the new gifts we get at this time you think it would make it easier, but they all come with their price. Like everybody's got cell phones now, and you can take yeah. pictures and videos of all this stuff. But the problem is you have deep fakes now. You know what I'm Guys. saying? And and it's just like. Like you have these deep fake videos that right. you can create yeah. anything you want. Exactly. You know? And like you and I could create right. A, a, a Hollywood production of fakery. Yeah. You know, so easily off a phone. Exactly. And but I want to say this and I want to say this with all sincerity. Guys, orbs are not a thing. They are not a thing in video. They are not a thing in photos. They are dust and or insects. Please, for the love of God, stop saying that the orbs in your photo is evidence of spirits because I can show you photos from construction sites where you're looking at a gutted room and there are orbs of flying yeah. everywhere yeah. because it's dust yeah. and it's insulation and it's tiny fibers. It is not an entity. Photographers call them artifacts. Oh That's my it. Lord. <laughs> Please. 
So that's where I stand on haunted houses. Nice. Yeah. Shall we transition to uh, the amusement? My favorite? The amusement. The attractions slash amusements? There was a lot here. I'm not going to lie. I got to tell you, when we broke this up and I said, oh, no, I'll do real haunted houses. Yeah. Try Googling haunted houses. Yeah. Just just do this for fun (laughs) because everything that comes up is going to be the amusement. And I was like, what did I just do to myself? <laughs> no, that's... Thank you, History Channel, for giving me the the details for Pliny the Younger and yeah. and Germany and the, the White House, which I can't believe. I find that... the White House really fascinating. You know, before we transition to the. Yeah. The amusement, you know, the attraction yeah. industry yeah. side of it. Yeah. I find the White House part of it pretty crazy because then like, you know, let's just say it's true. Like I said, you're dealing with the highest powers of the world. So if you say it's true with the White House, then obviously over in England. Yeah. What's going on there? Yeah. You know, I mean, and what's uh, funny is there are stories from, um, obviously they don't stay there now, but it, one point foreign diplomats would stay there yeah and they did have occurrences and they did share their stories and yeah, like now all of a on? sudden they don't stay there anymore yeah what's going on in buckingham palace and <laughs> yeah like what's going on oh, in all these i am places, certain you know? buckingham palace is well, yeah just it like it has the, to be the longevity of the place yeah and, and everything that's transpired since that building's been erected you oh, know, I bet I mean, Versailles is haunted. You know, it's another A-F. one. Yeah, it's yeah. another one, you know. Yeah. So Haunted House is the attractions. And if you uh, kind of peruse around and, and look online, a lot of it starts at like the 1930s. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't satisfied with that. I didn't like the idea that it just popped up. Right. Out of 1930. It didn't make sense to me. Right. You know me, I get kind of these gut feelings and like I have to follow my gut because usually it points me to somewhere I need to be. And I always look at it. I mean, like instantly in my mind, when I think of haunted houses, I think of I just think of like the cave people like daring that person to go into that weird cave, you know, I mean, like I think like like I think this idea has been around for ever yeah you know because like even when you're kids it's like dude uh, uh, there's a there's a human head in there and <laughs> yeah, you're lying exactly. you know but stand by me want to go see a body yeah but i mean that was a <laughs> yeah. real body but yeah. like you know i remember just being a kids and there's that creepy little cave thing you know or or just trail and it's like dude you don't know what's down there you give know. a piece of gum if you go yeah, in. i bet you don't have the balls to walk down yeah. there you know and i think from its essence i think what it shows is that I think there's always been this attraction to the amusement style of this. I mm-hmm. think it's been around forever. I think it was very, uh, you know, even in the earlier examples, you know, like mm-hmm. before 1800s and stuff like that, which is where I'm going to kind of platform off of. But but even before then, I mean, I there was some eerie plays, but like even you look into history of things, there wasn't like this moment. There, there had to be a moment. That's how I looked at this, where, where everything turned and it just started moving in this direction. Right. And so I was trying to find that moment, and 
I think it's early and modern idea what we know of amusement style houses originated in London during like the 19th century. Okay. I think um, the public at that time was evolving into different forms of entertainment. Mm -hmm. Um, And entertainment was becoming more of a big thing at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people were mixing work and leisure Mm -hmm. at a different time than they were before then. You know, I think more it was work, 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 work. And it was still then, you know, but, but now it, um, you know, I think at this point though, is when more gruesome forms of entertainment were coming. Okay. So that brings me to Marie Tussaud. Mm-hmm. Um, we put her in a timeline and I don't think we can move forward without explaining her role and what we currently see in today's haunted amusement venues. Cause huh. her role I think is worth noting. Um, she was born Anna Maria Marie Tussaud. She was born in December 1st, 1761 in Strasbourg, France. Her father, Joseph uh, Grolch was killed in the seven years war two months before she was born, which wow. was incredible to me, yeah. you know? So like, as you hear her story, this is somebody who didn't have like the greatest of easiest starts, you know, right, she didn't yeah. come from this like, you know, perfect lap upbringing. of luxury. Yeah. yeah. And this just speaks like the moment I hear stories like this, I'm in, yeah. you know, I love hearing these, these, these type of stories and they're not stories. They're real. Uh, her mother Anne Marie Walder moved to Bern in Switzerland with Marie. And she uh, moved into the home of a local doctor and that was Philippe uh, Curtius. And with um, Anne Marie, she was working as a housekeeper. Mm-hmm. She got a housekeeper job with this doctor. Yeah. And um, uh, Curtius uh, was skilled in wax modeling. And he used this talent to illustrate anatomy, which, I mean, makes sense as a doctor. Yeah. If you look back then, didn't have a whole lot of. And they were frowning on grave digging. Yeah. You know, there was the whole. <laughs> Grave digging thing that, you know, just was a a little, little out of touch, you know? Um, So what he ended up doing was he was later using it for portraits and he was doing Mm -hmm. kind of this duo thing. He had a cool hobby he was getting into basically. Right. And, uh, and then what actually ended up happening is it became a focused passion for him and opened up the opportunity better than a doctor, which I found amazing. Like he's a doctor. Yeah. In a time where there wasn't a whole lot of doctors. Around. Yeah. But and you know then, what? This wax thing. I'm going to try the wax thing. I'm, yeah. I, you know what? I'm going to do the wax. And at first that intrigued me. You know, I'm sitting there. I'm like, all right, this guy's got a doctor. Yeah. The family's proud. Yeah. You know, they're like, our son's a doctor, blah, blah, blah. Doctor, you know, Dr. Curtis, he's great, you know. And, and it's he, like the lawyer or the doctor. Leaving it all aside. It's me and cybersecurity. I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to leave it all. I'm going to make cupcakes. I'm going to leave it all. What are you going to do? I don't know, but I'm I'm not doing I'm going to throw pottery. Yeah. And uh, so this becomes his focus passion. And um, he ends up moving to France. And uh, that's around 1760, 1765. And he establishes this wax portrait firm. Or portrait firm. Portrait firm. And... um, that same year, he made a wax work uh, work of uh, Louis XV's last mi- mistress, uh, Madame Duberry, who's like, you know, 
a total different story in its own right. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, and um, this casting is actually the oldest waxwork currently on display. Wow. Which is. It's still on display. Pretty, that's what they say. You know, cool. I haven't seen it with my own two eyes, but from what I kind of conjured up, this was it. So a year later, uh, Marie takes her daughter mm-hmm. and joins him in Paris. So she follows, follows him through to there. And um, his wax works are shown in 1770 and he's starting to attract large crowds. He's getting, he's getting known. And then in 1776, he moves the exhibition and in 1782, he opens a second exhibit. And this exhibit was called the Cavern of the Grand Thieves. He displays wax figures of notorious French criminals um, who were, you know, had been executed along with other similar mm-hmm. uh, works for over a decade. And this actually becomes the precursor to Marie Toussaint's future work. Right. Um, so during this time period of where he, you know, yeah, uh, Curtius is going through this. He teaches Toussaint the art of wax modeling and she begins working for him as an artist. And in 1777, she creates her first wax figure of Voltaire. 1780, she starts cranking out good stuff. And for nearly a decade, her most famous portraits include Jean-Jacques Rousseau, Benjamin Franklin and Voltaire. Mm-hmm. You know, she's getting her own, she's, she's throwing her own way around. And during this period, her memoirs describe her employed to teach votive making to Elizabeth, the sister of Louis the 16th. So um, she's helping uh, her with votive uh, making. And uh, she admits to being privy to private conversations between the princess and her brother. Right. Members of his court. Yeah. She also claimed that members of the royal family were so pleased with her work that she was invited to live at Versailles for a period of like nine years. Wow. So this wasn't in any kind of historical, but this was from her memoirs. So right. it's got to kind of yeah. be taken in context. Right. But as things go on, it kind of makes sense of what's happening. Things are looking great for Marie. I mean, what mm-hmm. could go wrong? Everything's going great. 1789 happens. And the attack on Bastille followed by the reign of terror sweeps through France. And it just flips France upside down. Right. So Toussaint is perceived as a royal sympathizer and she's arrested. Okay. And her head is shaven and she's actually awaiting execution by the guillotine. Mm -hmm. She's at this point in her life, you know, one day in Versailles, one day, you know, just in line. One day you got it all. Yeah. And next. I mean, just the the up and downs of it. So she's released and it's thanks to support for Curtius and his household through the group. And what's interesting with that is... At that time, when there was the reign of terror, Curtius's works were being used as part of the protests. So like her, her mentor, her mentor's work was being used for what put her away. Right. And then his work helped her get out. Yeah. Like, it's just so So weird. weird. Like, Yeah. yeah, I could go on with this chick for Ever. I could do, I could probably do three hours of her. I mean, I just, her life fascinates the living shit out of me. Um, and so she's released and then she's employed to make these death masks and whole body casts of the famous victims of the reign of terror. 
Right. So Louis the 16th, Marie Antoinette, Marat, Robespierre, she makes all these. Right. And she has access to, I mean, she's making the body cast. Yeah. She's got these perfect, like perfect mediums. It's the real people. Right. Yeah. And like, actually, um, there's on a, like a even more side tangent, uh, her cast and her, uh, thing for Robespierre was actually used recently within, I say recently within the last like 10, 15 years to build this recreation of Robespierre. And it mm-hmm. was like stunningly accurate. Right. You can look it up online and see the picture of what his face would look like. And that was from her work, which is just insane. Yeah. Um, so, you know, her life is no doubt incredible, but we got to get back to haunted houses. Yeah. <laughs> so in 1802, Marie displays wax likenesses of decapitated French figures. And the likenesses were just remarkably accurate because she was making the death mass and cast of the actual victims. Right. So she also acquired uh, Philippe's past work during the reign of terror as a result of his passing in 1794. He Mm -hmm. bequeaths everything to her. Right. Leaves everything. So she's got her work. She's got his His, work. Yeah. She's now got just this massive body of work. And so she sets up a permanent London exhibit, like an exhibition showing her work, but she had the separate room that displayed this grotesque collection of stuff. And that was titled a name that'll stick to this day, the chamber of horrors. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, so you would go in to her ex exhibition and then I think it was something like, you know, like three or five pence you'd pay extra to go to the chamber of horrors. Right. It was a separate room. And that is stuck to this day. Not only the word chamber of horrors, but chamber of horrors as a wax museum. Right. It's like, it's just yeah, perfect. Yeah. You know, so this, this is where we start getting into the 20th century and performance art starts becoming gory and eerie attractions begin to evolve around the world. It's not just in a localized area. It's starting to spread around. And from what I've read, I think none of this would have been possible without the whole reign of terror through France. Okay. That's my opinion. Yeah. I'm sure others are going to have different opinions and more welcome to it. And they can contact us <laughs> at OTH <laughs> at seriouslydecent.com and, and let us know. I would love to hear it. But, yeah. but for me, I think this was kind of, like I said, there's that moment in time where things change and they're yeah. different now. Mm-hmm. And I think that reign of terror, that was different. Right. That was, there was nothing really kind of like that in a long, long, long time. Right. And you also had the combination of people being able to communicate better through pamphlets, newspapers, books. Um, You've got better transportation. So even spoken word is moving a lot faster. Right. And I think that brought into this different type of performance art. And theaters in Paris started experimenting with macrobe uh, themes and uh, the grand Grand Gunoli, I think it's Gunoli uh, Theater, uh, became notorious for its onstage pre- depictions of graphic dismemberment. Mm-hmm. And they're using Marie's work. Right. Because it's awesome. Right. You know? Yeah. So now she's into this kind of entertainment realm. Right. Again, without With Marie, the macabre. Yeah. you wouldn't have had this, this stuff going on. So they had these plays and the measures of success would actually be the people who fainted during its performance. Oh, I love That's it. That's what they were using, like, you know, as a, like a, right. a barometer. So like, yeah. instead of like having a five IMDB like, star. Like two thumbs up way up. Yeah, two thumbs up way up. Is, two, know, faints. two faints. Two faints. 
10 faints, you know, that's that that was their their measure. And they would actually have house doctors that would be hired to treat the Smelling more faint, salts. Yeah, the more faint-hearted spectators to attract publicity because they'd be like, you know, our our shit's so scary, we got a doctor on site. You know, I mean it's just like that's awesome. It's, it's hysterical. And um so with this going again, it's just this train going yep. down a track and the momentum's yep. building and it's going and the public appetite for horror is picking up in the early 1900s. Okay. And in 1915, English fairgrounds started debuting some of the first, what are called ghost houses. And it's an earlier type of commercial horror attraction. Right. This is really kind of where horror attractions are starting to become a thing. Mm -hmm. And it's designed to make money, bring in people, have a right. certain experience. And um, we're going to scare the bejesus out of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, is it again, it was just it started popping up all over. Right. Even around that same time, Halloween themed haunted houses began emerging during the Great Depression. And parents were scheming ways to distract youngsters during Halloween. Mm -hmm. Now, this is also and this is a total separate podcast. This is when Halloween started becoming an idea yes. of its own right. Yes. It's all colliding yep. at, the, at same the same time. time. And I think this speaks a lot of horror in general. Yeah. Like early 1900s was when horror was becoming a very kind of, dare I say, mainstream topic, you know. And basically uh, during the, yeah, parents were scheming ways to distract youngsters during Halloween because the problem was is they had pranks. Yeah. The kids were doing pranks and it's escalating the vandalism. Right. Property damage, harassment of strangers. It's not called trick or treat. For yeah. Nothing, and the Frank. parents. No. And the parents are like, what the hell are we going to do with these kids? Right. And that's where kind of trick or treat comes from yep. and, and all that stuff. But these uh, these haunted houses resulted in these primitive haunted, haunted houses right. during that yeah. period. And groups of families would decorate their basements and hold house to house parties. Yeah. And they've got evidence of uh, like these party pamphlets that were spread around to describe this creating of what they called trail of terror. Right. Okay. And, uh, and like an expert, I grabbed an excerpt off of uh, a site of the actual pamphlet and um, it reads as follows an entrance, an outside entrance leads to a rendezvous with ghosts and witches in the cellar or attic. And it's like basically instructions. Yeah. Hang old fur strips of raw liver on walls. We're on, you know, their way they feel this to dark steps. Right. Weird moans and howls come from dark corners. Damp sponges and hairnets hung from the ceiling touch his face, you know. Right. And, and it goes on. And, uh, you know, they, you know, um, they have this thing, you know, dressed up as a guard dog. And it suddenly jumps out at him, bar barking and growling. And doorways are blockaded so that guests must crawl through a long, dark tunnel. And, you know, the yeah. end they hear just this you know, meow and sees a black cardboard cat and yeah. luminous paint, you know, and uh, that these guidebooks were suggesting different parts of say, you know, a maze that would have different themes. Right. That's where you got like ghouls, gowl and madhouse and tunnel of terrors and dead man's gulch. And these are all names that like you hear of. And, the, you know, yeah. it started from this, uh, this period in time. And it, and it was crazy because you got to think about it. Like people are just doing whatever the fuck they wanted. Yeah. You know, so these guides included like chairs wired to uh, deliver mild electric shocks <laughs> and rental of a creepy abandoned house to hold the event in. And there would be an autopsy 
in which guests are seated before a blacklit screen behind which a fake surgery is performed, you know? Yeah. And, uh, in these, uh, first haunted houses stage outside of home parties, you know, it's, it's getting more and more steam, uh, all seem to have been charitable events. Right. So like, uh, Dean, the creative director, thirsty again, you know, that makes sense. Hey, when you're over a hundred pounds, you, you get some thirst. Hey baby. Huh, buddy. So, so these civic organizations and Christian groups staged these successful haunted houses across the nation, which is just crazy, you know. Fast forward 50 years and those are the same organizations that are trying to get rid of them. Well, yeah, you know, but <laughs> yeah. again, this, this all starts to make sense, you know. So the attractions combined are many of the techniques of the Trails of Terror. Yep. Heavy amounts of gore, many enthusiastic actors. The draw was so big for these haunted house guess uh they would be queued for one to three hours for an experience that lasted 15 to 30 minutes it was just new yeah it was different yep. everybody wants to check it out yep and again it goes back to the cave like oh we walked yeah. through this and 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 julie couldn't even get through it you know she they had to they had to carry her out you know yeah and it's just well where do i where do i sign up where do i go you know I and um, i can make it through and and now you're really starting to see horror picking up huge steam because at this time in the twenties and thirties, so to speak, you got movies like Nosferatu right. and Dracula coming, you know, they're gaining right. popularity. Yep. And then this is where magicians come into play. I'll deliver. Those damn magicians. So the magicians are actually useful in this sense <laughs> because they start incorporating these supernatural themes into their stage and performances. Okay. So they're they're doing the supernatural in their performance. Right. And they're creating this this whole thing. So um you would have things they were called uh the traveling uh ghost show or spook show. And uh they would begin and and mentalism and theatrical special effects are incorporated into the performances. Right. These guys are bringing what's known as kind of the first special effects, you know, and these specialized shows were often performed as pre-show entertainment before screenings of popular haunted movies. So think about that for a second. The opening act. You go to watch like Nosferatu and Dracula, and you've got this magician doing this haunted special effects thing. You know, how awesome is that? (laughs) You know, and this lasts till about the late like 1950s to early 60s. This just going strong. Yeah. And uh, in California ends up being the focus of the Halloween haunts during like the 1950s. Okay. It just starts running in California as California does. Just rips right into it and and, yeah. and goes big and the many contemporary haunters and i say contemporary not then but now mm-hmm. um th- those who create haunted attractions as a year-round profession they point to a single attraction as the one that inspired them and we now bring in walt disney okay walt the Dis- haunted mansion walt disney and the haunted mansion at disneyland in anaheim california um, they spent nearly a decade of planning the mansion mm-hmm. and it opens up on August 9th, 1969. And it's just an instant success. Everything's kind of just brewed up yep. to this point where, you know, now you've got Disney that just does this huge thing and yeah. to show how big it really was, they had a single day record soon after it opened of 82,516 guests. Wow. 
which to put that in perspective, Mickey's not so scary Halloween, which is what they have now. Yep. Brings in a typical 60,000 people per day attendance. The pre-COVID. They got nothing on the haunted mansion. No, and that's typical. I doubt they did typical 60,000, but just to kind of show. Yeah. Like how big then, you know, um, pretty amazing. And um, and what separated Disney's Haunted Mansion was the special effects. Yeah. This is where the magicians yeah. created. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny, but, yeah. but the thing is, is they created this idea of, you know, and these methods and and the attraction centerpiece is the Grand Hall, a 90 foot long ballroom sequence of dancing ghouls at a birthday party. Yep. And it's all special effects. They use refracted light to project and shape ethereal images and the attraction was revolutionary revolutionary and it started the industry right you know so then this gets you into you know we're we're in the late 60s and 70s and haunted house attractions are all over the country at this point Mm -hmm. and they uh haunted houses quickly spread across the country via these fundraisers right it wasn't the big things um like not scary farm became the standard of halloween events in 1973 right and professional haunted houses started emerging in the same era and are quickly outspending nonprofit groups like the jc's or the jaces i always screw their name up but they encouraged its membership to contract house haunted houses in abandoned buildings or fields as charity fundraising events and the organization became known for these houses throughout america Haunted attractions were developed in larger cities at that time in Louisville, Kentucky, Cincinnati, Ohio. With the creation of the JC's um, haunted houses, the haunted houses were run by local chapters. And there are still many local chapter JC haunted houses in towns such as Lombard, Illinois, uh, Foxborough, Massachusetts, Raleigh, North Carolina, and Columbia, South Carolina. Someday. Yeah. Someday we'll we'll do the circuit. They have uh, the haunted schoolhouse located in Akron, Ohio, open to the public in 1974, and it's still in operation to this day. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Even the March of Dimes <laughs> copyrighted a mini haunted house for the March of Dimes and began fundraising through their local chapters. The, yeah. These were ways to make money. Yep. And all these nonprofit local chapters were getting through, and it's kind of like. Like out here, we have the firemen doing a chicken barbecue. Right. So instead of doing a chicken barbecue. They had a haunted house. They had a haunted house or a maze or whatever, and they charge people yeah. for it. And they went for it. I think that's awesome. I yeah. think it's just great. And then at this point, the momentum is just absolutely soaring. And you can see that correlation to horror thrillers on screen because this is when, you know, Alfred uh, Hitchcock's Psycho comes out in 1960. Yep. Um Slasher films are basically their slasher films. Golden age is taking place from 1978 to 1984. Right. And you know, that was the kickoff from the drive through or the drive-in success of Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 74 Yep. and the Hills have eyes in 1977. So like the seventies through here, this is like the slasher films. Right. Like horror is going and it's, it, it has like no signs of stopping. Uh, the, the, the haunted houses and horror in general is just booming. And then a sharp turn takes place on May 11th, 1984 in Jacksonville or Jackson Township, New Jersey, the haunted castle at Six Flags Great Adventure caught fire. 
Uh, and eight teenagers lost their lives in the fire. Criminal charges were filed, civil lawsuits, numerous investigations were brought on, and the evil word politicians enacted safety regulations. Right, yeah. And this is, you know, this brought fire safety laws, building codes, inspections tightened up considerably nationwide. And I mean, I get it. Yeah. For, you know, but every action has a Equal opposite, and opposite reaction. Yeah, it has an opposite reaction. So charity attractions became less economically viable. Many were forced out of the business and, you know, they withered from the added competition or the inability to fund safety requirements. Right. So, you know, that just took it down a considerable notch. You know, mm -hmm. all of these uh, places that were bringing in a ton of money um, and it was going to other things and it was literally a nonprofit thing, you know, a nonprofit action. And now they're saying you have to have all of this in just right. to function. It's just not going to work. They're going right. to say, it's you know what, feasible. why don't we have a chicken barbecue? You know, that's what they're going to do. You know what would be good? How about a bake sale? Yeah. Betsy makes great banana yeah. bread. Or if you're the March of Dimes, you yeah. get, you know, somebody to just go up on a mic and do a telethon for, you know, a certain amount of time and, and just ask for money. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's where it takes a turn. But um, in 2014, there were over 4,000 October seasonal haunted houses in the U.S. every year. And 300 theme parks that operated horror-themed events. Over 3,000 haunts are charity-run fundraisers. Right. So they're still going around. Um, the theme parks entered the haunted attraction business seriously in the late 80s and early 90s. And this was basically a form of the theme parks to increase off-season attendance. Correct. Yeah. You know, and Six Flags launched Fright Fest. Correct. Remember Fright Fest? Yes. In 1986 uh, to 1989, and Universal Studios began horror uh, Halloween Horror Nights in 1991. Knott's Berry Farm, that we yeah. talked about earlier, launched their Knott's uh, Scary Farm in 1973. However, America's Halloween culture surging in the 90s, which was all a result of them, slasher films yep. and horror films, had um, Knott's Scary Farm take off even further. So they benefited right. from that type of stuff. Um, and then, uh, you know, many, many will poo poo the theme parks and I think for the good reasons, but yeah. you know, I mean, there's something really organic about that kind of homegrown horror. Yes. But, and I think also, I think like a generation that was going through their, like I say, a generation X, you know, which will us, us, you know, we were raised on those homegrown slasher movies. Yes. So it just, you know, I think we naturally gravitate towards something like that, where I think a different generation might have a different. Right. That draws to them. But but they've played a major role in globalizing the Halloween holiday. Um, Universal Studios Singapore and Universal Studios Japan both participate. Disney's uh, Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween are now in parks in the U.S. Uh Paris, France has one, Hong mm -hmm. Kong and Tokyo. And the theme park haunts are by far the largest in scale and attendance. Um, and that's where, um, you know, I mean, it's a multi-billion dollar industry at this point. Yeah. And it's showing no signs of slowing. Well, you know, I mean, 
when we went to when we go to Salem, there were what handful of them? There were at least. Yeah. Five. Oh, I, I think total we went to about maybe seven, seven, close to ten. Yeah. You know, when we and just that did that just, one weekend up. That was just know. one city. Yeah. No. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, and and it is it's a seasonal it draw, is, you know, it is, but it's a multi-billion dollar industry and large haunt, a large haunted house attraction can reportedly earn three million dollars during a Halloween season. I believe it. Oh, yeah. But I mean, that's. Yeah, that's. But, you know, again, when we were in when we're in Salem, I mean, you see me do it all the time. I sit there and I'm, I watch every single person go in and I'm like, that's. You know, that's, that's 12 bucks. Yeah. That's 12 that's bucks. 10 bucks. That's, that's, that's 10 12 bucks. bucks. That's yeah. 15 bucks, yeah. you know, and, and I'll and just they do that all day. And, like I sit there and I watch in an hour, like, you know, yeah, 300 people walk through there in an hour, you know, each paying like 10 bucks. And I know they're there every weekend for the whole month of October, you mm-hmm. know, cranking that out. And it's just, uh, it's, it's, um, it's revealing. And even with COVID-19 currently, um, they're finding that many home and yard haunts have continued to operate. You know, yeah. you, you're going to have these rural areas right. that really aren't affected by the pandemic like a big city is. Correct. And they're still able to operate in some form or fashion around yeah. the pandemic. And um, and they can just avoid the crowd problems that affect yeah, the large they have scale lower numbers. Yeah. Attractions. So, you know, at Disney right right now, it's not good to be a Disney because no. you got too many people coming in where right. these local places, they can observe, you know, the distancing, the social distancing right. and things like that. But um, I think where this could expand into another discussion easily is just the different haunted attractions. And I just have a few here. Um, just to mention, there's the the haunted house mansions, castles. Mm-hmm. There's the haunted trails, the haunted forests. Mm-hmm. There's the haunted ship, haunted theme parks and scream parks. Yep. Dark maze and chain maze. Yep. Hell house, dark rides, cornfield mazes, home and yard haunts, ghost runs. You know, you can do the 5K <laughs> ghost run now. Um, midnight ghost houses and extreme haunted houses. And that's the newer ones. Are the, the extremes, the extreme haunted houses and the hell houses. Where, I know there's a haunted you know, house where you have to sign a waiver yeah, to even go in and yeah. no one has made it through. Yeah. And, um, you know, the thing I find with that is, is th- like that house that you're speaking of, I'll have to look it up, but yeah. I, I forget the name of it. And I know it's, it's like South it's in the South somewhere. Yeah. And my problem with that is it's more torture than exactly. haunted house, yeah. you know, because I've read like the things that they do to them and it's a lot of, uh, it's a, to me, it just seems like torture things where they'll tie people up and they'll, they'll torture them. They're literally yeah. torturing people, you know, and I don't, the everybody's whole, got their thing. Right. And I get it, you know, and you're going to have your different, it's like music. You're going to have that punk rock fan. Right. And you're going to have the soft rock, fan, you know, you're going to have the Ann Murray fan and you're going to have, you know, the butthole surfers fan, you know, yeah. and, and each of them are okay. You right. know, they got their thing. And I, I look at that also with haunted houses. I think everybody's got their own kind of haunted house, but in a traditional sense, 
in a traditional I haunted house, think that they're it's hands off. They yeah. don't touch you. Yeah, they I, get close to you, mm-hmm. and the whole point is to just scare you. Yeah, it's not and and let your yeah. senses be affected by something right. not physically brought on to you directly. Right. Yes, you know, yes. like I like the forced air stuff. And, yeah, uh, like the chilly breeze or the you yeah. know like that type of stuff and 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 i think that's where like the extreme haunted houses have crossed the line yeah you know for me yeah you know that wouldn't again, be enjoyable everybody's got their own thing you yeah. know um but i yeah i look at it more as they're they're torturing people i mean well and hey you know i'm what? gonna say this if you're going through a haunted house and they can lay their hands on you. Can you lay your hands on them? Yeah, you know, it's like, do you get to punch them in the face? <laughs> and do the not today? What do we say to the God of death? That's, not today? <laughs> that's the disclaimer. You know, oh. the disclaimer is, uh, you know, and the thing is, is, I mean, there's just different people out there. Yeah. You know, take love, for example. Some people are just happy with a pancake breakfast. Uh-huh. Other ones need a collar around them and need to be spit in their face and, yes. you know, and okay. be told they're Fair worthless. Enough. You know, I get it. You know, there's, there's, there's something for everyone. Everybody's got yeah. their own kind of chocolate bar. You know, yeah. I mean, that's just, uh, and, and I look at this as the same way, but me personally, I, I'm not a fan. No. You know, I, I'm yeah. not a fan. It's something I wouldn't do. Even if somebody were to say, Hey, look, I'll pay for it. Yeah. And all that stuff. I just don't, I, I don't like it now. If you're going to take me to like an old castle and, yeah. you know, and then there's all of these accounts that are of it or yeah. or it's just built to be a horror castle. And mm-hmm. you've got these displays that I can see and I can see the autopsy, so to speak, of yeah. the surgery. And and, uh, you know, you got the guy that's chasing you with a, a chainsaw or whatever. You no, know, they only do that in the haunted house that ends in the mall. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the thing is, is like like I, I appreciate those. Yes. Like none of them scare me. Right. I got to be, I I, I got to disclose that. I'm not the one that walks in scared. I'm not the one that's scared in it. And yeah. I'm not the one scared walking out of it. And I'm not saying that to be a, a manly guy or anything. It just, that stuff doesn't scare me. Yeah. But what I love is just the, I love the theme of it. I think it's great. I love the idea of it. And I love nothing more than being around somebody who's fucking terrified. Yeah. That's hysterical. It you is. Know? I mean, that's, uh, I just, to me, I have more of a, a humor based thing in it, but that's my outlook on life period. Yeah. You know, um, but the, but there are some certain situations where I like that idea, even though I'm not scared, i like that idea of, I have no idea what the hell I'm walking into. Right. And I think like, that's where I get my kicks off of haunted houses mm-hmm. as attractions. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not looking for the scare, but I love that unknown feeling. And that's yeah. something I just thrive off of. I love that going into something unknown and having no idea and being able to riff off of something. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's something that just gets my heart pounding and the hair standing up on my arms. And I love the idea of walking into something. Now, the problem is, is most of the time I'm let down, you know, when I'll see something yeah. and just be like, all right, yeah, it's right. this, you know. Yeah. But- but it just, uh, it, I like that idea of, of going into it and having no idea what to expect, but I do love more than anything is watching the people that really do get scared. Yeah. And to me, that's just like, again, the amusement part of it where it's just, 
Mm-hmm. Oh, it's hysterical. Yeah. When we were at Salem. And that, and that girl, girl in, in front, front of, of us. Me, yeah. And they were saying, oh, you know, we'll just take you, you two. And then she turns and she's like, but, you know. Can my dad go with me? Can my dad go with me? You know. <laughs> and I was, you know, that, that stuff's hysterical. You know? It was disappointing, though, because they spent so much time scaring her and her friend that we walked through and I was like, really? This is yeah. the haunted house? But to me, okay. that's the joy yeah. of it is like they're giving her. That's, oh, yeah. That's her. That's she's the demographic they're after. Exactly. You know? Yes. They're not after us where no. they come in and they're like, and we're like, hey, hey, how's it going? You know? <laughs> Hi. Yeah. Yeah. But but I found it amazing. Um, You know, like I said, in, in kind of review of this whole bit with amusement. um the uh the amusement end of it mm-hmm. i really think that something happened after that reign of terror in france i really think something happened there i think something it, it geared into you know and i think there was um and i don't know if the dates line up but there have been a couple of um i i i don't want to say paranormal but like um like psychic societies where they would do like the group seances there have been a couple uh times in history where they they became pretty prevalent like there were societies and yeah, they yeah. would they would ship people out for speaking engagements and they would do these big things and i wouldn't be at all surprised if it lines up with very possible, with that. you know, and I am aware that like during then, like the very yeah. well to do and prominent and wealthy people, they had these parties mm-hmm. that were off to the side, you know, that were, yeah, just but I mean, there were, there were like legit that, but, movements, you know, um, where it, it did, it does kind of line up with some of this. Like, yeah. And that's where like, I can't wait to dive into other aspects of this because I'm curious to that. Like, does yeah. it all kind of, you know, arrive merge. at this as a yeah. merge, you know, as a result of this? But, but even just with like Marie's work, like I just found her extremely fascinating, you yeah. know, just, a, just an amazing life mm-hmm. and just what she did in her life. Mm-hmm. And, and she lived to an old age and she's got her house, you know, her, her, chamber of horrors. her chamber of horrors. That's still a thing. Yeah. And it's got her work in it. And, yeah. um, you know, just to but through that period, you know, you could just see the steam building yeah. through that whole that whole process. And, you know, after that, the shows were starting to pick up. And and it was funny because you just see it. You know, it's like, all right, you know, these wax figures are coming through and it's showing this different way of seeing things mm-hmm. versus just like hanging a pig's head up on a stake or something right. like that. And, uh, and then, you know, the plays start forming. Right. And then, well, and then from there, the plays start moving into the movies and the movies, you know, uh, you know, people are doing these things in their homes and then, and then you have these nonprofits and then you have, you know, and again, like, I just was not surprised at all when Walt Disney comes and just lights <laughs> the fucking place up. You know, I mean, that's just, you know, people can say what they want about Walt Disney yeah, but the I mean, dude just would walk he in. He got it done. Yeah, he would. Just, he was just everything was big. Yeah, everything was big and everything was different. Even with the um, just a second, but the haunted mansion that they built 
uh, that was eventually like when Walt died, these two guys were running the, the attraction and one was more of this, uh, like traditionalist mm-hmm. and the other one was this, you know, the latest greatest and mm-hmm. let's move into this direction. And they kind of merged in the middle and, and they were, this is where they were creating, like, instead of having a bunch of people walk through and having all those issues with people walking through, that's where they had these little things they'd sit in and they'd ride through and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, just these ideas that no one's having, you know, right. and also, I mean, granted they had a budget that, right. you know, yeah. was nothing like the charitable places, you know, but I think it was cool. It must've been awesome for someone who wasn't living in that era. Right. You know, it must've been awesome because you figure it's post world war two, everything's booming. Everything's just booming in all these directions. And then you have this like perfect circle of homegrown haunted houses and these theme park houses and these private places. And they're both flourishing equally, equally at the same rate Mm -hmm. all over the country. Again, someone speaking that's never been in that time period that just had to be awesome. Yeah. It had to be awesome for all of that just growing all at once. Right. You know, and there was no rules or any no. kind of, it was just a very organic, you know, the, the paid for places are doing it their way. The, the charitable organizations, the civic groups and doing Christian groups way. are doing it their way, you know, and, um, and I just found fascinating the Christian groups. I mean, we're not talking a couple, it was a lot of them, you know, yeah. I, I couldn't get into listen that honestly, babe is a, whole nother podcast of just the Christian groups doing haunted charitable, like haunted houses on a it's civic It's so church. crazy because it was also the Christian groups in like the eighties and nineties when we were growing up. Yeah. Telling you, no, no, you shouldn't no, be doing that. And that's why I want to do that as a topic. Yeah. Because something happened there. The satanic panic, I want to think. And that's, that's what I believe too. You know, I think the satanic panic came through and they were like, all right, you know what? We're going to have to pick a side. We should slow down. We're going to have to pick a side here. (laughs) You know, even though they could have easily just said, look, it's, it's an attraction. Right. You know, and all that. But but even then, I mean, we grew up in that era where like you were, you were on this side of the fence or, you know, you were a Motley Crue fan or you were a Kiss fan, but you couldn't like Motley Crue and Kiss, you know, I mean, that's one or the other. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, uh, that, that definitely, I, I agree. I think that's, but I would love to know the, the timeline with that yeah. and the, and the why, and like, what were these kind of igniter situations? You right. know, like, yep. like I never really kind of like, I knew there was a fire with a haunted yep. attraction, but I had no idea it had that effect on the whole thing. Yeah. Like growing up, I was just like, Oh yeah, no, it's that New Jersey place. They had a fire there. Some people died. And then, oh, what's this sparkly thing? And I moved on to the next thing. Exactly, yeah. Where, like, reading that, it was interesting to me that there was this opposite effect. Yeah. That, or just this effect that occurred that created this other effect. And and then it kind of, it just makes sense. Like, you think about it back then. It really did stop. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It really did stop. The movie stopped. Everything stopped. At that point... You know, and that comes, you know, uh, all around to, um, you know, you start discussing movies and you have that whole kind of golden period of the slasher films. And um, 
you know, you look at basically like after that, after that golden age of 1984, when it ended, which was when the fire took place, yep. the only movies that really kind of hung around were the Jason movies and the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Yeah. Jason, Freddy. You know, the really maybe, like, established and, ones. And they didn't even bring Michael Myers back until. Yeah. Later. later. But uh, wasn't it like scary movie or. um Yeah. Like oh. scary, scary movie was one. Um, There was, uh, you know, there's there's the some, one with Drew Barrymore. Yeah. That was I right. Was yeah. that scary movie yeah. Yeah. that. And that was in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And then it was like horror got its second. Wind. There was like that. I know what you did last summer. Type yeah. Stuff and, you know, and that. Yep. That started. Kinda Final destination. Coming around in the 90s and stuff yep. like that. But I remember that kind of brief period where like the floor just kind of like fell out. Yeah. And the established ones, the heavyweights like. Yeah. Like Halloween and Friday the 13th and, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. And, yep. you know, those those stood through you mm-hmm. know and i mean honestly it would have taken i i don't know what if those even could have been taken down because they were just yeah they were juggernauts then but but yeah just reading that and reflecting back because you know at that point i was 10 mm-hmm. you know 1984 is nine ten years old you know it it just it kind of clicked the bulbs it was like yeah no things just kind of turned into a different yeah. Era. It went there. from the slasher films to gremlins. Yeah. 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 No, exactly. You know, things, child's play. Yeah. Things softened up and yep. stuff like that. And I mean, you know, you had the leprechaun and stuff like that. I mean, that's, yeah. it, you know, but yeah, I, you did. <laughs> it's not to say that they weren't. And I don't want to say that, but you could tell something changed. Yeah. You know, something did change and it's crazy. Just a fire. You know, I don't want to discredit the people that died there and the families that oh, it's got touched tragic. by that. It's tragic. But literally a fire with eight teenagers losing their lives, you know, I mean, took out, took out. Yeah. And changed that whole thing. You know? Yeah. I mean, like they had that great white. Remember that band Great White that had that fire at that place and they like killed a ton of people. Um no. You don't remember that? No. It's a, yeah, great. The band, Great White. I remember the band. Yeah. Yeah. I know you remember the band. That's, <laughs> you don't, you don't have Great you White. You don't know me. You don't have Great White coming <laughs> to your life and forget it for better or worse. No, sir. But they had this, uh, they had this show and it was in like a, uh, like a hall because it's Great White. You know, it's not a stadium. And, and basically, uh, this fire caught up. And the problem was, is like the building wasn't designed to hold that many people. I think so they, they had too many. Get out. And they just had the hardest time getting out. And a lot of people died in that. They didn't stop concerts. You know, I mean, it's just like, it's it's weird what, how things kind of turn. It is, and, but it also. But even like, but I, I can't say that because uh, venues like that had to change, you know, but like this one was bad because like. They like the way the doors were designed, yeah. like, like even in buildings now, they have a post. If people never noticed it, they have a post that's before the door when you're exiting out on these bigger places. And what that does is it creates a natural divider. Splits. So everybody's not yep. f- flushing to the door, yep. you know, and it, and it forces people to maneuver around and then it, it trickles mm-hmm. them through the door to get out, you know, that stuff that they have, you know, and and that's where that smaller event didn't have it 
But right. I just, it, it's amazing when I was reading it and just like, and just looking at how, like all these things that created the steam to get it going. And it's just this massive thing moving. And then this one, one incident, again, yeah. the one incident that started it, it's, there's another incident that just kind of slowed it down, yep. you know, but it slowed it down. And, Didn't end it. And now you've got this different, it's weird just to see how Halloween goes now. Cause you've kind of got these two different types of Halloweens. You got the nice, like fluffy, yeah. you know, nightmare before Christmas type thing and the and the Mickey's, you know, um Yeah, but even Nightmare Before not so Christmas, Christmas is Christmas right and, on the edge of a little too scary for yeah. the Mickey's not so Oh yeah, scary. yeah. No, I mean it's it's not the Mickey theme thing, but but it's not like Texas Chainsaw Chainsaw Massacre either. Right, yeah. You know, that's just about a dude going nuts with a freaking chainsaw and killing everybody around this crazy He was making his art he was misunderstood he was making it's like buffalo bill he was making his clothes misunderstood creatures they are you know it's a (laughs) hey grid (laughs) (laughs) but but yeah no i that i found it nuts and if we were to dive back into this i mean honestly the the whole um marie's life with the wax modeling yeah i would love to get into more with that I don't know if it tie in with our theme, but, but I made it tie into this theme. (laughs) (laughs) You made it work. Yeah, no. And I didn't have to make it work. It worked itself. But uh, Tim gun that, but uh, I think the, I think the Walt Disney one is a, is in its own deal. Cause there was a lot of stuff that I, I blew past with that. Yeah. The easily another podcast I'd want to do. And the next one I'd want to do surrounding this type of theme is the civic organizations and Christian groups that started these, did these homes, these like green, like these indies, yeah, these indie, the grassroots. Yeah. Yeah, These indie style ones that there was a ton of stuff that I had to blow past. Yeah. I really, there, there was, that has its own, that has its own episode. That would be good. I think for, uh, like October. Yeah, no, it's a perfect October one. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, uh, yeah, or like, I like said, September into October. Yeah, well, be like, a lot we of used it, to be cool, and then we weren't. Well, well, we're trying to be cool again. The ones I'd like to focus on are the ones that are still going. Yes, because obviously they're doing something that works. Yeah, you know, or it's tradition. You know, the town's just like, hey, or they didn't pussy out. This is what we do, and you know, that's yeah. uh, you know, it's it's been this way and it's done that way, and yeah, you know, and we just never never stopped. Um, that's yeah, that would definitely be a good. October one. Hopefully we're all in a different position where we can actually go out and do things. Do things. Yeah. You know, and and if that's the case, I would love to bring those up and be like, these are places you can go and visit. Oh, definitely. And, I would also, love to visit them. Yeah, but also just have a knowledge of the history of the places yeah. and how they got their start, what they did originally versus what they do now. Right. Yep. And and also possibly if we could look into it. Is how they weathered through this whole 1984 pivot, you know, yeah. of this post-fire thing. And, you know, I was just guessing. My guess would be is that they probably just either had it right to begin with most of it. Yeah. You know, and, and just had to add a few things or they just said, no, we're going to keep this going and we'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, I mean, if it becomes a problem, we'll the, address it. Then. It's the only yeah. two logical outcomes they could have with that. But, uh, but yeah, no, it was interesting. And, and also another thing I would like, you know, cause 
I could I could just probably go nuts on just the you know we could go nuts on the haunted forest. Yeah. You know, because there's real haunted we forest. We actually and, do you know. have uh, the uh, suicide forest in yeah, Japan. Yeah, suicide forest in Japan. You know, it's it's on the list. Yeah, and that's, guys, there's a list. <laughs> it's extensive. The beautiful part of this is we um, we are happy doing this. We love doing this. We love talking about it, and we easily have probably two years worth of material with a podcast <laughs> per week so yeah. we're not going anywhere no and uh and we hope we hope you don't go anywhere either we hope you stay if you like us don't forget to rate reviews and uh subscribe yes please and you can find all of our information our podcasts our social links everything at ohthehorrorpodcast.com and we look forward to seeing you next time thank you thank you